Be part of the conversation. Join the Hope Forum in Athens, October 25th and 26th. The only event connecting stakeholders from the West and North of Europe with the Balkans and the Mediterranean. For more information, visit our website at ehealthforum.org. Join us in Athens this October. You're listening to Tech Talk Central. Um, hello, this is Vicky Colovo for Tech Talk Central, and I'm here with Steve Lieber. I hope I pronounced that right. Is it right? Yes, he's nodding. He's the president and CEO of HIMS. HIMS is HIMS Europe actually is organizing um, the event, the eHealth Week that we're here in Amsterdam. And uh, we're lucky to have with us the CEO of HIMSS all over the world. They started from the U.S., so he's going to explain right now um, what HIMSS does. So first of all, welcome. Thank you, Vicky. It's my pleasure to be here. Okay, so tell us what HIMSS is. And I think up to until recently, um, it wasn't so known as an organization. But I do know that you do a lot of things, especially in the States. Yeah, Vicki, we started, Hims uh, began in the United States in 1961, so it's got a long history in the United States, uh, primarily focused around producing educational programs originally for um, IT professionals. About, oh, 10, 12 years ago now, um, we started looking outside the United States and recognized that the issue of quality of care, the opportunity for driving improvement in healthcare delivery organizations didn't follow boundaries. I mean, everybody needed that kind of uh, support and engagement, and so HIMS made the decision then to focus its energies globally. And we came to Europe first, and we did our first event in, I believe it was 2006 in Geneva. And we've done at least one event every year since then, and, and now we do oh, four or five events across the continent uh, every year as we focus on different geographies. Um, and and our, our mission has changed somewhat in that, one, we are doing educational programming for audiences that are far beyond the IT professional. We have a huge following among physicians, nurses, non-IT managers, people who are responsible for healthcare organizations, not technology, not the information systems part, but they're responsible for the whole organization or they're responsible for clinical care. They all recognize how important technology is in accomplishing their jobs. They understand how important technology is in improving the quality of care, reducing the cost of care, ensuring access to care. And so we now reach about 350 to 400,000 people around the world every year through some form of active engagement. They're attending one of our face-to-face -face events. They're uh, listening in on one of our webinars. They're downloading information from our various websites. And so we have a very large and, and very broad target audience that we're trying to reach. We also do uh, a fair amount of work around understanding the way in which technology is adopted. So our group called HIMSS Analytics looks at 
the IT that hospitals adopt worldwide. We've established a global standard for measuring the sophistication or maturity of IT adoption. And so we're, we're looking um, and surveying hospitals, as say, worldwide. We have some seven, 8,000 hospitals in the database now where we do. We go in and we check across about a 100-plus different IT applications and then score the institution based upon what they have adopted, how they're using that technology. So in, in some, HIMS is very much a part of the educational process in helping people learn about the use of technology, but we also are involved in measuring and grading um, hospitals, uh, regions, countries in their adoption use of technology to drive better health care. Uh, so where does the patient come into this equation? Um, do you, where, where does it come in? I think there's a lot you can say there. There, there is. Uh, first and foremost, we do start at the institutional level because the technology is in the background. The, the, the patient really doesn't care which technology it is as long as you've got technology that engages me, that allows me to communicate with my caregiver, my clinician electronically. And so we start at the uh, delivery system, the institutional level, because the capabilities got to be there. So that was sort of our first wave of effort was very much around um, the institution. We're now focusing more and more on the consumer end of, the, of, of this question because there are certain technologies applications that we use on our phones and other things that very much are focused on the individual. So now we're coming at it from that side. So we're focusing on the technology that we as individuals, whether we're a patient or consumer, don't have a, a chronic condition, but I'm interested in monitoring my fitness and that sort of thing. So we're paying more attention to that. And then at the eHealth Week conference this week in Amsterdam, for example, Patient empowerment, consumer empowerment, is one of the main themes of the conference. And so we are now starting to very much focus on that part of it uh, because it is, it's a major component of the equation. Okay, so um, it's educating, okay, not patients, but let's say medical staff, but there's also a, a need for behavioral change. Technology, it's not like conventional education, let's teach somebody mathematics. It's making them think differently and how they can use technology. And there's fear of how it can be for their benefit and that they shouldn't avoid it. And it's changing the ways they use it. We all hear those stories where doctors are not, especially in Europe, I don't know, in the U.S., are not ready to use. Um, when they think about technology, they think about using a tablet. That's, that's the most common thing I hear, whether I use my mobile and, or tablet. But that, that is not informatics. So are you working on behavioral change? Absolutely. You know, the story you just, just told in, in terms of tablet being sort of highly sophisticated technology to some clinicians, I think that's universal, U.S., Asia, Europe. There is a, a hesitancy uh, among some in clinical practice to fully adopt. I think we're seeing a dramatic change in that. I, I've been the CEO of HIMSS for 16 years, and in that period of time, the attitudes have changed dramatically. So what I say now, 
when that sort of question comes up is first, let's recognize that the patient, the consumer, probably is ahead of us in what they want. They want more than we're giving them. So my response to clinician is, listen to your patient because they want to be able to uh, make an appointment online. They want to receive those results by email or electronically. I don't know, need to go back into the office just for you to read off a report to me. Um, there's so many things that today's technology allow. And we do. We have a little lag on the both on the government policy side as well as on the clinical practice side. And so, yeah, we do. We talk a lot with clinicians about changing their workflow is what we, we call that. With government, we talk to them about changing policies because there are some archaic policies that can hinder the exchange and sharing of data because in the old days it was all on a piece of paper it was all in a folder and so regulation was designed with that in mind well now that it's so readily available in a digital format we got to change policy too so we focus on on policy as well as education because there's a change that we need to bring about with clinicians there's a change we've got to bring about with government as well. Okay, considering all the experience you have, the 16 years you mentioned, I see a big shift, and I want you either confirm it or tell me your own opinion. It used to be hospitals or clinicians used to be God. Okay, we were dependent on them. It got sick. It was their word. So, But I, I see a shift with patients. I don't know if they realize it, is the empowerment, the what they can do is suddenly they're players in this triangle, I would say, where you got the politicians, the policymakers, um, the patients, and then you got the medical staff. But it's sort of like a, they're all sort of equal. I don't know if you have the same, um, if you, you're getting the same idea, the, the difference. Do you realize it too? Yet, yeah, I'm going to say, Vicki, they're getting there in terms of equal players. Um, the consumer, the patient's probably still the one most at the disadvantage here, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because in most cultures, um, the perceived ownership of data still sits with the doctor. It's it, 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 No doctor will say it's my data. They'll say it's yours, but try getting it from them sometimes. Um, and so there's, there is a, a change afoot here. And, and certainly the internet and the access to information that we all as individuals now have has raised my ability in terms of my knowledge about my conditions. I can go check on things. I can come in with much more informed questions for my clinicians than we could have before. So we're getting there, and I think that's very much behind this recognition that these conversations need to have the patient at the center of them. We've got to recognize that they have rights, that we also have to recognize they're an informed consumer. And so it's kind of like, you know, maybe 10 years ago, we didn't know how to book an airline ticket. Now everybody knows how to do it. And, you know, who doesn't just go online to book that ticket? You wouldn't even think about, you know, driving to a, a travel agency to go get a ticket issued or whatever. Well, we're getting that way in healthcare too, where it's like the first thought I have is go online, not jump in a car and drive to my physician's office. 
Okay, the conversation on data is big. Obviously, you hear it as much as we do. So, um, are you optimistic? Or I'd like to think that I can control my own data, okay? And I can opt out when I don't. Not for research, personally. I don't believe in opting out for research. Um, but we're, honestly, who do you think is going to win in the end? Are we going to be educated enough, informed enough to actually know how to control that data? And coming in, I am an IT person, a techie, and realizing that a lot of people don't know that our footprint, whatever we browse or whatever, it is unique, even if you think you're hiding yourself. It is, they can, they can know who you are. How do you see it, all the data conversation like in 10 years from now? How's it going to be in your opinion? Going out 10 years, I think we will be at a place where you actually will own and control from your standpoint your data. Now, at the same time, that data is also going to exist and be controlled for their purposes by the clinician. It's just like your financial data. You have access to it. You can control it in the sense of, you know, running reports on my investment returns or, or whatever. Financial organization also owns that data for formal tracking and account record keeping and all. That kind of dual ownership is what I see in healthcare. We don't have it yet. You and I really don't. I mean, in yeah. some countries they do, but most of us don't. In terms of me really having my healthcare data that I can look at, I can pull up, I can contribute to. Ten years from now, yeah, we'll be at that point because we are already seeing, I think, fairly fast change in the grand scheme of things, and especially in a business sector that changes so slowly as healthcare does. Um, I think we've seen a lot happen in the last 10 and in the next 10, yes, you will find whole countries who have adopted that philosophy of, yes, the patient, the consumer has the rights to and access to that data and can control the use of it, the distribution of it, and that sort of thing. Will it be global? No. There, there are going to be places where that's not going to be the, the story, but I think we're going to have far more examples in 10 years than we certainly do today. Something like finance, it's not the same everywhere. So um, I wanted to ask you, with, when it comes to policies, you're obviously used to the, um, the states and reality since you live there, but do you see differences between Europe, the states, Asia? Who, who would you say, honestly, you see you know, making leaps. Um. Yeah, you do see differences. There's no question about it in terms of where people are on this continuum of technology. We need to first, I think, recognize that basically care is the same everywhere. People get sick or hurt. They get treated. They get well or they don't. Uh, that's a fairly common, you know, yeah. given. Um, how they're treated in terms of what technologies are used, we do. We see dramatic differences even within the same country. I mean, from my experience in the United States, I can take you to institutions that are the absolute best in the world, and I can take you to some institutions that no developing country would particularly want. And there's, there's a huge uh, extreme in terms of uh, examples of technology adoption and use, in, especially in a country like the United States where there's not 
a single governmental focus that ensures that all are at a particular standard or above. What we find is in the Nordic Scandinavian region, there's a long history of um, e-health and, and digital health care that as a result, they're a generation or version or two beyond where many of the rest of us are. Spain, interesting example there, a country that uh, we oftentimes think of as economically not being in the forefront of, of the big economies and the positive economies of Europe. Huge investments in technology and healthcare, and really have made it a national program to ensure that those hospitals have the best levels of, of technology. Um, and, you know, Singapore, another place, you know, a little bit of a unique situation, uh, very wealthy um, country, very small country, the ability to ensure a, a very high level standard of IT adoption and use across all their hospitals. A little bit easier for them to do so. You you see um, mm-hmm. some some good examples there. So as I say, you you we certainly find through our our Hims Analytics work, we find examples of absolutely top world class uh, healthcare supported by technology all over the world. We have stage seven hospitals in China, in Korea, Singapore, uh, Spain, Netherlands, um, the U.S., Germany. So the the best are everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's that what we do see is when we look more broadly across a country, we do start to see some differences. Okay, so going back, my last question, to the, the principle of HIMSS bringing informatics to health. Um, IT is, I don't know, it's going so fast and it's changing and you got... We were talking about apps two years ago. Bots are the most hot thing right now. Um, wearables are changing every single day, okay? Um, medical devices. Do you believe HIMS catches up with all this? And um, how, it's not only you catching up, obviously, as an organization, you can do that, but you have to then educate all the people that you already educated in, edu- in technology last years, and suddenly you got something new. How do you deal with that? That's a great question. It is a real challenge because we have to recognize that while there is the latest, there are new developments, new evolutions of technology, we're still training people on the technology that came out last year, the year before, five years ago. If you think about uh, the time it takes to truly achieve a full um, accomplishment of training and education throughout the professional population. So do we keep up with all of it? The honest answer is no. I mean, we can't. Technology changes so fast. We also don't know when new technologies break onto the scene is this an evolutionary dead end or is it going somewhere? And so, you know, you go through the cycle in terms of, of you know, overhyped expectations and it has to go through a period of, of stabilization before you really are, are, are convinced that that technology, in fact, is scalable it is useful. It's the right sort of inv- investment to make. We try to keep up as best we can. Um, we do th- certain things at our programs, as we do here in, in Amsterdam this week, where we have a section just for startup companies so that people can see what's the latest thing that uh, companies are developing? What is it that is going to be the, potentially the next thing? So we try as best we can to keep up with it. 
to my opinion in that. I think education is changing. It's got to be more flexible. We gotta, It's not the way you and I learned in school. It's not like this is it, this is your material, the curriculum, you got to learn that. Now we sort of have to learn an, an education that's got to be more adaptive, learn how to. It's like in social media, you've got so many tools and platforms coming out. If you know how to work, how to work one of them, then you start to understand all the other. And I think it's the same thing that's going to sort of happening um, in te technology. And again, we're going back to behavioral change and the way. Do you agree with me? Absolutely. It's got to be fast. It's got to be nimble. It's got to be real time. I got to be able to deliver that education to you when you want it, not when I decide to put it on. So absolutely. Yeah. So final question is, what would your expectations be from eHealth Week here in Amsterdam? What are the most important outcomes in your, that should happen, in your opinion? The most important outcome, quite honestly, isn't even the educational programming we're putting on in the rooms. It's the exchange people have with each other, the opportunity to share experiences, I talk to you about what's going on in Greece in the delivery of, of healthcare. I'll learn from that. As you were just saying, we all learn differently. And so that ability to share stories, to have time to have that networking exchange, that's what I want to come out of this is that people walked away and said, I heard something. I met somebody that was new, different whatever, that I had never heard of before, and it's something I need to think about, pay attention to, and maybe incorporate into the, the care I'm delivering. That'll be success for me. Okay, that was nice. So networking and collaboration at eHealth Week. So this, is, so this was Steve Lieber. He's the presidency of HIMSS. Thank you for being with us. Great. Thank you, Vicky. It's been a tr treat. So this is Vicky Kolovo for Tech Talk Central from eHealth Week. See ya. You're listening to Tech Talk Central. Be part of the conversation. Join the Hope Forum in Athens, October 25th and 26th. The only event connecting stakeholders from the West and North of Europe with the Balkans and the Mediterranean. For more information, visit our website at ehealthforum.org. Join us in Athens this October. <laughs>